Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. My guest today is Tim Martin, founder of Net 101, a professional training organization in generative AI tools. Their advanced artificial intelligence and generative AI in-house training programs equip teams with a broad array of tools and methodologies, enabling them to enhance their workplace performance and productivity. Tim is also a prominent professional speaker, keynote presenter, and a commentator on business technology. Tim is convinced that generative AI will soon become an integral part of everyday operations across most industries. Tim Martin, welcome to Tech Live. Thanks, Stuart. Good to have you here. Why are we all talking about AI right now? Is that because of ChatGPT? Yeah, look, mostly. I mean, AI has been around for a while, all the way back to the 1950s as a, as a discipline and, and, and an application. So what's happening now is this new wave of AI driven by a technological breakthrough in the last decade or so around deep neural networks. Which allows us to around what was that? Deep neural networks. Right. Okay. Don't don't brush over that. Oh, no, sorry. It's deep it's neural networks. Fascinating. So, yeah. so basically, uh, mimicking or drawing inspiration from how the brain works in yeah. terms of uh, signals traveling through from one neuron yeah. across synapses to the next, and replicating that in a machine for what we call machine learning. So what this has given rise to a number of things, but what's getting the headline attention at the moment is what we call generative AI is using uh, these deep neural networks to um, train a machine on understanding patterns in text or images or videos, and then using a natural language command, being able to generate an output. Yeah, right. Thank you for explaining that because it's the first time I've heard it explained that way. And with a way, way back clinical background, this is making real sense. Let me take you back to the 1950s for a special treat. What was the AI in the 50s? Well, it, it kind of came off the back of the Second World War, Bletchley Park and so yes. forth, building the um, the computers there, um, trying to, to crack the, the German ciphers and so forth. And after the war, they had a lot of infrastructure there and a lot of very smart people, Alan Turing uh, being one, yes. that, that essentially posited that possibly machines could think. Um, the idea that they could build a machine powerful enough to replicate the human mind um, it didn't actually pan out that way. There, there just wasn't enough computing power at their disposal. Um, jump forward a few years to the mid-1950s, a group of um, American academics uh, got together at Dartmouth College for a conference, and they thought they could finally crack this nut. And that's where the term artificial intelligence comes from. Um, John McCarthy coined the, the term. So we, we've kind of, it's been a bit of a roller coaster journey, what we call AI winters, where we think we're going to create something that could mimic the human brain and do a lot of what we can do. Yes. And then it doesn't work and falls into a dip. And then we think it can work again. And then not, we're in a summer at the moment, uh, sort of game on again. Right. Interesting. So that's why science fiction writers could talk about robots that could think. Yeah. Beca because the idea was there already. That's that's right. Yeah. And the idea actually goes back um, a long way. You know, mythology, for example, humans aspiring to, to think or be as powerful as the gods, for example. Um, even Frankenstein, a uh, Victorian example yeah. of, of can we create something that can think like us. Oh, it's really interesting. Hmm. So if um, technology now can mirror the neural pathways of the brain, 
there's only a there's only a portion of the brain that's being um, replicated because science doesn't even understand the whole capability of the brain. Completely. So, so let's be clear that the inspiration for deep neural work, networks comes from the brain, but we're nowhere close being able to replicate the complexity. And, and as you rightly pointed out, a lot of uh, people, most people, no no person understands how the brain completely works. Yes. Know the, the the basic mechanics of it, but it's a mystery in terms of you know how we hold memories and and do what we do. Um, so need to make a distinction up front in terms of creating machine that is capable of learning, machine learning, but not thinking. Yes, right. You know, we're nowhere close to that. Or feeling. Well, or feeling. I mean, it, it, it's interesting philosophically to to try and delve into what thinking and feeling yeah. really is at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good thing around a campfire with a glass of wine. But in terms of what we're- I look we're, forward to it too. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'll call you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in terms of what we've got today, the question around whether it can think or not is, is irrelevant. Right. It's a tool. It's a business tool. So the the learning of neural networks is adaptive. So so if I if I do this, if I take this action, this is the outcome. Therefore, I'll take that action. Yeah, that's that's more of a what we call inference. Uh-huh. Deep neural networks are interesting in that you can train it on on data to recognize patterns. Got it. And then be able to extrapolate in your original of those patterns. Got it. Yeah. So it's the interesting thing about it is that it's largely unexplainable because if you look at a deep neural network, you can actually see signals being pushed through it, but they're just a set of numbers. Mm. You can't actually ask the machine how it came up with its right. prediction or its estimate or its outcome. Right. Um, it's unexplainable. Right. Wow. Well, that's that's really interesting. So given that, and you said that we're in a summer now mm. of, of AI um, development, yeah. and so this brings us to generative AI. So tell me how this is distinctive from just the general term of AI. So from a business perspective, generative AI are a set of tools off the shelf ready to go now. Yes. Which is interesting. It's not sort of pie in the sky or the big end of town or yeah. a lot of resources that are required. This is stuff business, uh, micro businesses right up to multinationals can start using literally this afternoon. Uh, interestingly, a lot of them are not because it's not that, that people playing catch up. It's so new. I mean, it's really just happened in the last several months. That's right. People, it's post Christmas. Yeah, no, exactly right. Yeah. So the, the business community is like, okay, I've heard a little bit about it. Um, maybe I'll experiment a little bit, but how does this actually apply to me? And mm. it's and it's a whole, it would be like me um, going back, I don't know, 30 years and saying, oh, Steph, I've got this cool thing. It's called Excel. And you're like, <laughs> what is this thing, Excel? I'm like, let me tell you. I still feel like that yeah, well, secretly. Um, now, it's my daughter actually coming home from high school saying, do you know what we did? Yahoo. Mm. Let me tell you about it. And you can actually go onto the internet computer. That's right. And you can search things through Yahoo. That that's kind of what it's like. Yeah, it is. Um this the implications of this uh technology are, are probably a little more powerful than some that we've had in the past. But yeah. you know, you don't talk about having a an Excel strategy at work and right. and so forth. Basically it's a given that all businesses have one. It's it's a it's a force multiplier. You yes. can do it on paper if you want, but yes. why would you do that? Yeah. 
So this is what the business community are getting their heads around is what will this actually look like in terms of our workflow, yes. job descriptions for our people. Yes. Um, and, you know, fast forward a few years, you won't be talking about it as a thing. It'll just be so embedded and invisible. Right. Just be part of your everyday life. Right. Like email. Like email. Exactly right. So Colin Fraser was here um, on Tech Live a little while ago, and he was talking about how this democratizes technology, generative AI, because you or I have the same access to this as a huge business and for the same kind of cost. Yeah, $30 a month generally. And that's a huge difference now, isn't it, compared with options in other sorts of technologies in the past? Yeah, well, I mean, the bigger picture AI, there's all sorts of technologies around that or applications rather that are more complicated and mm. more expensive yeah. and so forth. But generative AI is, is, is really, as you say, is democratized. It's accessible mm. to everybody. Mm. Um, it's not a function of your intelligence or how yeah. big your pockets are. Yeah. It's a tool. Or the complexity of your business. Or the complexity. In fact, um, no, exactly right. All the complexity. It's, it's, it's ready to go right now. So it's ready to go off the shelf. Let's talk about specific examples and some specific applications for the kinds of businesses that, that you and I know, mm. that kind of mid-sized business. But let's talk about chat GPT. What else are we discussing here? Mm. Okay. So generative AI is being able to take an input and generate an output. Right. Right. The, the most common input is text. So using natural language as a command. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to know a programming language or a set of formulas for Excel, yeah. you just can speak or talk what you would like out the other side. Yes. That's a huge breakthrough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But there's a whole art in how to talk to the machine. I, ah. I call it horse whispering. Ah. Um, and it's actually you know a, a new title that's, that's appeared uh, on the scene called Prompt Engineer. So um, a prompt engineer knows how to talk to the machine, how to, mm. how to whisper to the horse to get the output. Mm. So that's a skill set that that um, everybody or organisations will have to have at least one person that knows how to generate the output based on what the business objective for the output is. Okay, that's good. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's it's a whole art around it because you use something like ChatGPT, you can put in a fairly basic prompt, right? But what it really wants is context. This is how the machines were trained, and the more context you can give the the, the command or the prompt, the better yes. the output. So training people to use um, nuanced prompts mm. is, is really something. What would be an example of a nuanced prompt versus just something pretty generic? Okay, so lo lots of reference points. So, for example, you might say, um, I would like this written in the style of a New York Times opinion piece, uh, three to 400 words long. I would like the last sentence to finish with an inspirational quote, um, uh, something to do with, with war or Latin or something along those lines. <laughs> but the more information you can give the machine, yes, the better the output. You're refining the search. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's an interesting point that it's, it's, it's unlearning our habits with search because search So it's not good. It's not going into Google to look up a well, restaurant in Santorini. Yes, no, we'll say no for the moment. <laughs> yeah. So it, there's no knowledge there. That's the, the yeah. thing that people need to get their head around is that there's no knowledge bank. Google and the search engines have a knowledge bank. It's a data center of crawled websites and they return results based right. on what they find. There's no knowledge in, in a large language model like ChatGPT. It generates words on the fly. 
Right. Based on what, though? Based on, um, well, knowing somebody by the company they keep. So the machine learning, the deep neural networks have been able to pick up semantic relationships between words. So it's been trained on a large corpus of knowledge, Mm. words, text, mostly from the internet, but not entirely. So books, articles, research papers, anything they get their hands on. And these deep neural networks understand the patterns or the semantic relationships in words. Mm. So when you give a machine a prompt, you're giving it context and it now can pull words that it thinks make sense in context. And these machines actually create one word after the next as they go. She's sort of like laying little bits of track down in front of them as as the train moves along. So there's no knowledge. It's amazing. It is amazing. So I'm thinking going back to neurophysiology, if you um, have a repetitive pathway in the brain, a nursery rhyme, that that gets laid down and becomes very familiar and easily retrieved even if you have a memory issue or maybe even if you've had a head injury or a stroke, you might still be able to retrieve that pattern because it's laid down, you know, a long time ago and over and over and overused. Is that a similar thing? That is exactly how it works. So right. the machine learning process is yeah. basically carving that neural pathway out. So basketball, for example, you know, learning how to shoot a hoop, yeah. um, their initial attempts are fairly ordinary, right? But they take feedback in terms of what's working and not working, and that feedback helps them adjust their parameters. Their parameters would be the position of their feet, the yes. position of their arms and so forth, and the force they're using. That's what a deep neural network does is that it gets um, takes a guess, tries to do something, it gets feedback as to how well it's done, and the feedback either reinforces or yeah. changes in some way the parameters. And you go through that loop enough, and you've got a learnt model. Yes. The learnt model, you can actually look at it. You can see the pathways. You can yes. see the inputs and the weights of those inputs and so forth. It's exactly as you've described. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. So chat GPT, that's the, the one for now. And is that interesting? If we get back together in six months, this might sound really dated. Uh, it will. Yeah. Please don't watch the six months from now. <laughs> um, no, it, no, please do. Yeah. <laughs> it will and it won't because... ChatGPT has got all the limelight because it was the first out of the gate. The technology has actually been around a while. Yeah. Um, Google actually the forerunners in it mm. themselves with their um, their various labs and so forth. But they they sat on it for reasons that they didn't want to release it. It was fundamentally flawed. It was full of bias. Uh, yeah. Inaccuracies, what we call hallucinations and so forth, just makes things up. OpenAI with ChatGPT didn't worry about those concerns. They mm. just released it and they got all the limelight. But really, it's the bigger picture at play, that the large language models will come from different quarters. There'll be specialist ones for certain industries, but we'll, we'll each have our own large language models in-house down the track. And it'll probably be, I don't know, a couple of years, three, four years away. But for our own, so tech will have its own large language model. It will. And what that will do is it will be trained on your data. Um, so you'll be able to use a natural language query to yes. try and get information out. You know, that could be financial. It could be the topics that chairs are doing. Um, it could be insights around members, if we can feed that data in. Yeah. But you'll have your own. Um, you, there might be reason to use a large language model, an external one like mm. ChatGPT or BART, but we'll all have our own. Wow. So that makes... A lot of sense also for use cases, um, medicine. Oh, yeah. 
judiciary, um, something that needs to manage bias. That's a whole other topic. Mm. But yeah, right. Okay. So that education. Oh, yeah. That's the, the Victorian model of a teacher standing in front of a classroom of 30 kids, that's that's due for a big shake-up. You know, I'm not saying that kids won't go to school. There's a reason for that. Um, but how how people learn, how we retrieve information um, is is fundamentally going to transform. And how we, how we synthesise information and then present it, of course that's going to change and you can't fight it. No. The good news is if people are thinking, wait a minute, we're all going to be out of a job, yeah. uh, is that there needs to be a human in the loop. The idea that you push a button and just get generative output and that's your work done for the day is absurd. So um, generative AI is really good for doing the heavy lifting. Uh, we think of something like ChatGPT mm. to start you off, to take mm. a document, to summarize it, to give you the main points, to give you inspiration mm. and so forth. But it's the human side that needs to finish the work to get it to the level we want it. So it's, it's basically, it's it's augmenting our specialness. It's not going to replace us. No. And do you know what I like about it when you think about the future of work? People saying, oh, I need to be wherever because I get so much work done. Mm. Well, if that work can be done, actually kicked off in a matter of seconds, then that person could be, well, synthesizing it or being more strategic. Yeah about what could I do with this? How could this be useful in my case? How could 1,100 small businesses find this useful rather than taking forever to think about it? That's it. You know, and, and, and my own personal experience has been exactly that. You know, it, it's been uh, it's heartbreaking, the search habit. Mm. You know, for 20 years, yeah. I've just Googled things. Yeah. And now it's like, well, oh, no, wait a minute. Maybe I should get information from there. Once I've got that information, maybe I should molded into shape because you can go through an iteration process mm. that you can't do a search. And then a, you start thinking, well, what else could I do with it? Could I take um, some content that I've already got and could I reframe it? Could I make it for academic level and reframe yeah. it for the reading level of a 12-year-old? Yes. Or could I repurpose it? Could I take it and turn it into an AI video using an avatar? Yeah. And the answer is yes, yes, yes. Isn't it exciting? And all of it. So you've got me at search. You had me thinking about being in a room with you a long time ago in Melbourne and you saying, everyone search, who's the smartest man in the world? And I think Tim Martin came up because you played the system. Stop it. <laughs> so how, how do I apply it? So let me give you some examples. I'm a first time CEO and I know I need to know this stuff. Um, yeah. How does a, so let me give you, throw some examples at you. How does a first time CEO embrace generative AI? So the tools they're ready to go. I mean, Bard's free. Um, open or ChatGPT is free. Or they pay if you want the um, GPT four. Money aside, the starting point is to go in and start playing with it. What I call constructive tinkering, right? Yeah. But from my experience, a lot of people come up against it and they'll, they'll throw a very simple prompt in. It's yeah. like, wow, you know, I wonder if I could do a poem about a three-legged dog. Yeah. Like, of course, it can do that. But go to the next level and 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 use some more sophisticated prompts. And the yeah. trick here is to try and approach it as if you're talking to a very very intelligent person mm. that needs very clear instructions. Mm. And if if you say, for example, 
I would like um, you to take this document. I'm going to paste in a bit of stuff. We've got to be careful we don't paste in sensitive data. That's yeah. a side issue. Yeah. But I would like you to take this document and I would like you to spot any logical or, or, or positional inconsistencies in it yeah. and, um, and take the position of one of those inconsistencies and give me what the counter argument would be. Now, that's literally a prompt. The way I just described that mm -hmm. is what you would type in. Mm -hmm. I mean, down the track, just talk it in. Mm. Um, and you think, oh, that possibly couldn't work. It works. And that's the sort of the level. It's, it, you've got to start talking to the machine, mm. not typing keywords in or very simple commands. Yes. And this is where you get the most out of it. So there's, there's when I talked about prompt engineering before, that's the art of knowing how to talk, mm. right? And interestingly, the people that do the best with these prompts are the ones that have great life experience because they've got more reference points. Yeah. If you want to make reference to a genre or an artist yes. or a publication mm. or, a, or an argumentative style, mm. those are reference points. Now, of course, you have to live life a little bit to be able to throw those in. So the people, and the, you know, I mean, I always thought it was a weird thing that social media responsibilities were given to young people. Yeah. That was a yeah. old horse's trick because, you know, you have to be wise in saying things that resonate with the target audience. Yeah. Very similar thing here. The, the the more experience you've got, the wiser and broader your knowledge is, mm. the greater your your ability to coax out of the machine. And inherently, the more nuanced you are in your thinking and your language. That's exactly it, you know. Yeah, okay. So the difference between um, learning and thinking, the difference between search and generative AI, and here the importance of prompt engineer. Mm. So so I've heard you saying then for a first-time CEO, d d play with it but explore it with some um, intentionality mm. rather than looking up where do I go to a restaurant in Santorini because that's actually search. That's right. So the other thing then is what about in a business? Let's expand to a mid-sized business and the CEO I imagine would be, I've got my head around it, I've listened to this podcast. I've got my head around it. You go and do it. Mm. Smart person in the corner. What do you think about that? I think it needs to be a collective. I think because we're all learning mm -hmm. this together and that's because it's just so new that we may as well do it together as a group. Mm. Um, and I think the importance of, of as a group understanding the implications of it because I mean, I could go into an organization and say, well, you could use it this way and that way and that way. But of course, every mm. organization has its own particular workflows and, and yes. nuance around what they do. It's the ability to join the dots to say, okay, we could do a summary of that and then we could take that and we could flip it over there and then we could do a generative. I can't map that out. But as long as you've got the dots, then mm. the joining can take place. Mm. So it's really, I think the first step is is a, is a working group that mm. you've got to get some some pilot projects up and running. Yes. You need to explore it collectively, as I said, because we're all on the that, that same yeah. level together. And then to sort of apply what the business is setting out to do in its own particular way to what you've just learnt. And that's, mm. the, that's the gap that's mm. sort of, I mean, somebody like myself wouldn't be able to necessarily fill because I, I don't understand the business well enough. So it's understanding one way you could look at it is what are the systems in the business? That's right. Speaking from personal experience right now. 
and what systems are lacking. And so, so you're applying a solution to actually a well-defined problem rather than saying, which I, I, I think businesses are now, I'm having a go at chat GPT, I could use it here. But actually, and what I'm hearing you say is it's, it's more of a strategic view of this and it's very interesting you saying that every business, as soon as three years, will have their own internal oh, yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, you know, the podcasts like this talking about this particular wave of AI, I mean, there's another big wave of AI coming. Well, that was going to be my next question. So why don't you finish this point and then we're heading yeah. there. Yeah. This particular way, if it'll it'll probably just bottom out, um, I would imagine, and it'll just be business as usual. Yeah. It'll fundamentally change the way we do work. We've discussed that already. Some, some, yeah. I, up until recently, I was thinking, you know, are people going to be replaced? And I was saying no, but I'm actually thinking there are some job roles that that will be replaced without a doubt. Repetitive. Yeah. The, so that tends to be the the white collar niche. Uh, professions where mm-hmm. you've got um, a complex process that takes a while to learn, which mm. is why they're niche and, and paid well generally, mm. but they're repetitive. So mm. a machine can be mm. taught on that process um, and can do a far, uh, well, I say better job, a similar mm. level outcome, but at a fraction of the price and, mm. you know, orders of magnitude faster. So I can't imagine why we have that person sitting there pulling down a salary when we've got this here someone still has to manage the process but in terms of you know legal conveyancing for example it could be a paralegal level that's managing that process rather than the conveyancer or a psychologist writing a report based on an assessment yes um yeah exactly right so the psychologist is still the human in the loop and that's important yeah doing the assessment that's exactly right but the report writing yeah, I mean, you should see some of the reports that I mean, I can throw a report in and and get the large language models are ripped to bits. Uh, I can I can analyze sentiment. Um, I can track all sorts of things just by using a not a voice command but a natural language prompt. Mm. So all of a sudden, um, there's certain things that that would have been done by certain people that are no longer necessary. Mm. Now, hopefully, you know, they're they're not on the unemployment queue we'll get them to do something else, but that job role as such might not exist. Yeah. So what's coming down the track then? That's the million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're looking at is if, if AI is in a summer, you know, we've gone mm. through winter in the 1980s and and uh, we're pretty much up to the mid-2000s and we're, we're heading into um, golden times, Will it flatten out? Will it go into mm. another AI winter? Or would the next step be something along the lines of uh, what we call strong uh, AI as opposed to narrow for generative AI, yep. which would look like an artificial general intelligence along the lines of you and I, Steph, mm. so that it's, it's cross-domain capability, um, uh, reasoning, um, the ability to learn very quickly, um, everything you and I can do, but a lot faster, right? That would up end society as we know it. Now, there's a big question mark around that. I love Stephen Pinker's quip um, that, you know, artificial general intelligence uh, has been just around the corner for the last 15, 25 years. Everyone says it's about to come and it never does. Yeah, yeah, right. So okay. it might yeah. not, um, yeah. but it could. 
and there's some big money, um, some serious investment punting on on having a machine that could operate at our level. The implications are, are profound. Do you think about the metaphysical aspect of this? Yeah, I do. Because I actually my undergraduate degree was was history and philosophy. So, interestingly, some of the the disciplines that we may not have placed much credence on before now have a seat at the table because a lot of this is philosophically yeah. inclined. Yeah. What is it to be human? What is it to to think? Um, uh, ethics, uh, morals, um, values, mm-hmm. and this is you know the question around bias and these mm-hmm. large language models. I mean, what is bias? Oh, that's it's perspective right. of bias. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got the obvious examples, but the more subtle value level mm-hmm. bias around uh, cultures and, and individuals, mm-hmm. socioeconomic status. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Where is it going? We're going to have to stay alive a little bit longer to find out. <laughs> Hopefully it'll keep us alive oh, yeah. a lot longer. I think so. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's be clear. What we've got at the moment is is pretty exciting. It, it is transformative, but it's not fundamentally going to change the world as yes. we know it. Uh, next level up, AGI would. Because I'm seeing in a broad range of people, less in business, but I'm seeing people saying it's scary, isn't it? Generative AI, but it actually isn't. No, it's the other one, the artificial general intelligence that's scary. And so somehow stopping, oh, you know, we need to put boundaries around it or stopping, that's that's not going to help anything because no one's going to stop. No, of course not. Um, so it, it, it was it was a little, uh, look, I don't want to be cynical. It wasn't window dressing, the, the open letter to say, look, let's put a pause on, yeah. on where we're going with this. No one's going to pause. Uh, there's too many vested interests and too much mm. money at stake for anyone to pause for six months. So this is this is going, whether we like it or not. It's probably a requirement for government to step in and start regulating. Um, and mm. this is a safety issue. It's, mm. it's safety at a local level, mm. but also a societal level. Mm. Um, we can't have, you know, a, a bunch of chainsaws running around with no one controlling them, yeah, yeah, chopping yeah. people's arms off because yeah. that's that's not good. No. Um, these machines, uh, there's an element of risk with them. Yes. We need to manage the risk, mitigate the risk, regulate the risk, but you're not going to get rid of the risk. And prove and, uh, and demonstrate that then humans are smarter, that we can be thinking of of the opportunity and the challenge and consider that and bring the right people in and decide what we do about it. Because that's how we're demonstrating that this is something that we're we're using for the betterment of us and society, yep. rather than taking over us. Yep. I love the philosophical part. I think that's fun. Let's, oh yeah. Yeah. Let's get back and do that, and a bit of Latin thrown in. Oh yeah. So what we've heard is um, generative AI is very different from what AI talked about that goes back years ago. So it's it's new and it's interesting and getting your head around it. I love the conversation about the nuance of prompts. I think that's that's really interesting. And I love understanding the difference between search and what generative AI means and also the potential, the exciting opportunity that this is going to be relevant for all of us in-house relatively soon. But right now it's about educating yourself as a leader and involving your team. That was a a uh, far-reaching and very thought-provoking conversation. And Tim Martin, thank you so much for joining us on Tech Live. Great, thanks, Steph. So that's Tech Live for today. 
CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution. I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.